If you would remain standing with me for just a moment longer and turn to the book of Proverbs, starting in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 17. We've got three short passages this morning that we're going to read out of this book, and we'll start here. Proverbs 17, verse 17. And if you don't have a Bible with you, it's okay. It'll be on the screen behind me. This is what it says. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And then if you would flip forward a few chapters to chapter 27, verse 6, we'll read two verses from this chapter. Uh, These are sort of a grouping of our topics this morning. So Proverbs 27, verses 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then down to verse 17, something that we all know pretty well from the Bible. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Amen. You may be seated at this time. So I want to welcome you this morning. My name is James Yandel. I'm one of the pastors here at this church, and I'm really glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, In thinking about our topic today, I started thinking back to my high school years, back when I was about a freshman in high school, and some of the things that my friends and I would get into. And uh, I was really fortunate. I grew up in Houston, obviously a very urban area, right? But I grew up right uh, up against a bayou. And so we had sort of a bayou and a forest behind our house, which is pretty cool living in urban uh, Houston, right? And so what we did, we did all kinds of things imaginable there. We went uh, probably four-wheeling a lot. We went on dirt bikes. We went back there. But what we started getting into is we started to play paintball back in this forest. Has anyone played paintball before? It's it's really fun to play paintball. It's kind of, it hurts a little bit. But anyway, we, we made a field back in this forest. And so we cleared it out and we started like dragging junk to this field to act as our obstacles, right? So we would get old washers and dryers that people just dumped on the side of the road and we would use the four-wheeler, haul them out to this field and we started playing some paintball, right? And so we, we played for a while and we asked our parents and we got all the same kind of gun from Walmart, kind of the ghetto gun, you know, and we, we played with each other and it was pretty fun until one day someone got a, a, a better gun, And I don't know if you know anything about paintball, but I'll I'll compare the two different types of guns that we have. So with our guns, what we did, uh, it had a little CO2 cartridge, and you would put it into the gun, and you would shoot, and then you would uh, have to pump it. And then you'd shoot again, and then you'd pump it, right? That was our gun. And when this other guy came with his gun, his gun was a little bit different. He didn't have a CO2 cartridge. He had a nitrogen tank on his gun. And, um, and, and he also didn't have to pump it. When he shot his gun, he just had to click it like this. It was a, it was a semi-automatic or like automatic gun, right? And so uh, he, he would always end up winning most of the games. But I remember one time playing with him. And, of course, everybody's out. And it's just me. And we're like sort of face-to-face in the field, right? And so we're, we're like popping up, shooting a little bit. He pops up, shoots a little bit. And um, I don't want to embarrass myself, but just to give you like some sound effects for it, this is my gun. Pew, pew, pew. And his gun's like, da, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So he, he, he's doing it. So finally I, I pop up and there's this moment, I, I, can, I can remember the moment vividly, where I shot it and, and no paintballs came out of my gun. I had run, I don't know if you know paintball, you got like a little hopper, right? So paintballs had run out of my gun and he knew that. Everyone in the field knew that. And being the good friend that he was, he popped up, ran toward me, and just lit me up. And I still have, like, scars from that moment. And it was, like, in my, like hit my mask and in my mouth. I had paint all in my mouth. I mean, it was a very embarrassing moment, right? But I, I can still, even now, I think it's, like, 15 years later, I can still go up to my friends. And I can say the word 
Bone Daddy Gun, because that was the name of the gun. And for you guys, you wouldn't know what that means, but for them, they would bust out laughing, right? So we had this sort of inside joke. And so as I'm thinking about this story, I'm thinking we all kind of have those things with our friends, right? You had the secret adventures that you went on with your friends. We know that friends are important in life. We build really deep, deep connections with friends, I think it's kind of strange, and maybe we'll use this room as an example. I think it's kind of strange that you can be in a room full of people and still feel alone, right? It could be a thousand people in a room and you could still feel alone. And yet the moment you break off from the crowd with two or three other people and share a secret laugh that only you guys know, a connection gets formed. I think we know that. We celebrate friendship and life. When you're with your friends, you speak another language of inside jokes and of uh, shared experiences that the rest of us are strangers to, right? I mean, you guys weren't on the paintball field back in the day. You, You weren't a part of that experience. And yet I'm sure you, with your friends, have had a lot of things happen in life that have connected you. We love friendship. And I would even make the case that I think our generation probably loves friendship maybe a little bit more than other generations. And I want to give you an example. Uh, If you're married in here this morning, how many of you call your spouse your best friend? We have some people that do that. It's very common in our generation to call our spouse our best friend. And so what I see for that is that we've connected our highest romantic relationship with our highest uh, friendship, right? We've connected those two things into our marriage. We really celebrate friendship. We value it. And yet this morning, we're in the book of Proverbs, so I'm just going to get straight with you because that's how Proverbs does. This morning, I've entitled the message, Friends Can Either Make You or Break You. Amen? Friends can make you or break you. When you're young, your family shapes you. When you're young, your parents shape you and your siblings shape you. But when you grow older and you get a little bit more freedom, your friends are the ones who shape and influence you. Friends have a lot of power over our lives. Everyone in the world knows this, that when you have good friends, they lead you to do good things. And when you have bad friends, they lead you to get into trouble, right? And yet we Christians, and we're coming out of the Word this morning, and so we Christians understand that friendship has even higher stakes than what the world thinks. You see, to the world, friends are just sort of people who share a common interest and you get together, they help you go through life a little bit. And yet from the Christian perspective, we know that we're on a journey somewhere to heaven, right? We're on a journey, a spiritual journey, and a lot of times the people that you roll with are going to be on the same journey. And so the stakes of friendship are high. God God knows friendships are a huge part of our life, so he addresses this in the Proverbs. If anyone says that the Bible is not a very practical, relevant book, they probably have not read the Proverbs because Proverbs speak on everyday parts of life, including the connections we have with people outside of our family. And so this morning, the Bible both celebrates and cautions us about friendships. The Bible says that in order to walk wisely in this life and in order to keep you from falling away or falling into trouble, you need to be thoughtful about the kinds of friends that you keep and the kind of friend that you are. That's what the Bible encourages us to do this morning. Because we know that these things have eternal implications. And if we're honest, and this is the tension, if we're honest this morning, it's really hard to be choosy about our friends because I think it feels like we don't really have enough of them. 
Like, I, I don't know very many people who feel like they probably have enough deep, meaningful connections. Even if you're an introvert, and if you're an introvert, I'm with you. So solidarity, unite. Even us, we need deep and solid friendships in life. And yet we never seem to have enough of them. And let me give you a few reasons why I think it's harder these days to have really true and meaningful friends than it was in the past. First, we live in a very wealthy society full of opportunity. We're a very mobile society. You can uproot from, if you decided today, I want to move to a different city. I want to move to New York City. You could probably uproot today and be moved into New York by the end of the week. Like, that's a possible thing for you. That's something that you could do. We're a very mobile society. There are parts of the world where you never really leave your neighborhood, right? So you've you got to make friends with those people. But for us, we have so many options that it's hard for us to make very deep and meaningful friendships. We're a very mobile society. And I think if we're honest, I think as we get older and older and older, it's harder to make friends. We have fewer and fewer friends because we're not around long enough to keep them. They move away. We move away. We haven't put in the time, or it's very hard for us to put in the time to forge the necessary connections to make deep connections with people. So we're a mobile society, so it's very hard for us to make new friends and have deep connections. But secondly, I think we also don't have enough friends because, let's face it, it's hard to be a really good friend. Right? I think if you're honest, it's hard to be a really good friend. Timothy Keller, someone else who shoots it straight, this is what he says. He says, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of people in our social circles are around because they are useful to us in some way. Or we're useful to them in some way. And sometimes what happens is when our friendship with someone is no longer useful to us, or vice versa, the connection we have with them begins to erode a little bit. I mean, if we're being honest, I've seen this in my own life, that when we have someone, or I'll just use me as an example, if I'm going through a really hard time in life and I seem to be going through hard times over and over and over again, I would imagine that most of my friends in a lot of ways would start distancing themselves from me, right? Because, I mean, we're, we're selfish people. We, we, we want everything to go smooth and well. You prove yourself a friend when you stand with people in the gap. I think you know who your true friends are when the chips are down. We love having friends like that, and yet we can never seem to have enough of them. So our solution to the problem is that we don't seek deep friendships. Instead, we'll seek probably like a hundred shallow friendships, right? I mean, this is the rise of MySpace, Facebook. It doesn't take, it's not very hard to add someone on Facebook as a friend. And in fact, I was thinking the other day, you know how on Facebook you can actually like mute people. Like you can actually make it so that you don't even see their feed. You're their friend, but you don't have to look at their feed. And it made me think, like, what if you were sitting face-to-face with someone and they were talking about some political thing that you had no interest in and you could just hit the mute button on them? I mean, that's like modern friendship. That's the understanding of modern friendship is that you can have a connection with someone without really taking the time to know and understand them. So we seek to have many shallow friendships instead of a a few deep ones. My analogy is we're like bees that bounce from flower to flower but never stay in one place for very long. And yet, why do this morning, what I want to argue with you is that it's good to have those connections. It's good to have a lot of those connections, but those aren't friends. Those are acquaintances, right? To be a friend, you've got to raise the stakes of what it means to be connected to someone. 
I truly believe that what you need are a few people in your life who will love you at all times, as the Proverbs say. White Oak, as friendships in the world grow shallower and shallower and shallower, I believe that God is calling us to have deep and intimate friendships with people. I believe that God is calling us to have Christ affection stirring friendships. I believe that God is calling us to have gospel celebrating, sin defeating, Satan defeating type friendships. And you're not going to find that in the Facebook world. You're only going to find that in the truth of God's word. I want you to know this this morning. That if you have no friends, you're lost. And if you have bad friends, you're drowned. But if you have good friends, you're defended. A good friend is someone who's going to stand at your back and celebrate things with you and defend you in this life. I want you to know how to have these types of friendships this morning. And I want you to know how to keep these types of friendships. So if you would, let's look back at Proverbs 17, uh, starting in verse 17. And we'll look at that one little proverb right here. And I'll read it one more time. It says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. The interesting about, thing about friendship is that friendship is different than your family. Friendship is different than the connection you have with your boss or, or maybe something like that. Friendship is unique. And I want you to think about this. Do you choose your family? No. When you came into this world and the doctor slapped you and they put you in the arms of these random people, you didn't choose that. You were just born into this world. But with friendship, friendship is freely chosen. You choose your friends, and you have the power to choose your friends. What this verse is saying, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity, what this is and what this means is that your family is sort of obligated to look out for you, right? It's not true in every situation, but your family is obligated to stand by you through good times or through bad, right? Friends aren't obligated to do that. Friends can very easily just pull away, not be a part of it, maybe say, man, this relationship, this connection is way too hard. And yet the Bible says that a true friend loves at all times. It raises the ante of what it means to be a friend. You don't choose your family and your family doesn't choose you, but a friend is someone who's chosen you. And in fact, the ancients used to say that even when it comes to romantic relationships, you don't really choose your each other in some ways because you're attracted to each other, right? There's this attraction element to relationships that aren't there for friendships. So friendships are the only thing that we have no biological reason to have friends. There's no romantic reason to have friends. Friends are something different. We have the freedom to choose them. And I think that freedom makes us a lot of ways like God, Like we have the freedom to choose who we want in our life and that makes us like God. And anything that makes us like God is something to be used wisely. So the Bible cautions us this morning to make friends slowly and wisely. It says, when you seek a friend, seek for someone who aims to love at all times. Because this is the fact of life that I've sort of came up this week. Uh, Friends easily gained are friends easily lost. Amen? When you have a shallow connection with people, then that connection is easily lost. 
And the problem is in this life is that we can make friends kind of easily because friends form around all kind of hobbies and interests, right? So if you're interested in tennis, you're going to get some friends who like tennis. Or if you're interested in board games, you're going to have people come around you and play board games. And the problem with that is, and the problem, the way that that interacts and conflicts with our Christianity is that it's very easy to connect with people who may have a shared interest with you, but who don't have your ultimate good in mind. Right? So with your family, a lot of times they have your ultimate good in mind, but friends connect around an interest. And so it's very easy to be caught up with people who aren't ultimately going where you're going. And so the Bible cautions us this morning. It's okay to have criteria for who you let get close to you in life. Like it's very good for us to be kind to everybody, but the Bible says we're supposed to do that. But it also says to be uh, strict with who you're allowing into your life. And it's not unloving to say that. Because like I said before, the Bible says that we are on a journey to heaven. We're on a journey to everlasting life. And by their own choice, there are some people in this life who aren't on that journey. And so while we invite them to come be a part of what we're doing, we want them to walk with us, it doesn't make sense for me to leave the path that we're on to go down their path and wherever they're going. The Bible says we need to protect and reserve where we're going. And secondly, it says one indicator of a true friend is someone who proves themselves by sticking by you in a time of need. I think if we're honest, some of our friends seem to disappear when the chips are down. And if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I've seen that in my own life, that I'm so busy that when someone needs a lot of emotional support in a season, that I tend to kind of draw away from that person instead of drawing near to that person. And yet in the gospel, we see a God who proves himself a friend to us by drawing near to us in our time of need. And so the Bible commends us and calls us to do that for other people. We prove ourselves friends by sticking around to others. My deepest friendships are the ones where I and my friend put in the work to keep it going. And so very practically, if you want to live this out, my first advice to you is to make sure that you don't move around too often. Practically speaking, you've got to stick around in one place to build very deep friendships, right? Think about it. My deepest friends are those that I've had for over a decade. It's probably the same for you, right? You've had these deepest connections for a really, really long time. So we need to be able to stick in one place so that we can forge the shared experiences and the things that are needed to build friendships. And secondly, you need to be able, you need to be more selective about the people you're opening your life up into. You're never going to have a close circle of friends if you have too wide an array of friends, that the Bible calls us to have a lot of acquaintances, fine, but a very few deep, meaningful connections. So that's verse number one. Verse number two, if you'll flip forward to Proverbs 27.6, we're going to knock these out here this morning. And so we'll read this one one more time. Uh, Proverbs 27.6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Man, I love last week when we kicked off Proverbs, I love how John talked about how wisdom is fixing your mistakes before you make them. I think that's a really cool idea, right? That's what wisdom is. It keeps us from falling into holes in life. And your friends are a huge part of that grace in your life. 
Friends are not just people who pick you up when you fall down, but friends are people who keep you from falling down. I like to put it this way, real friends save you from you. Real friends save you from you. Because I think if we're honest with each other, by ourselves, this is my picture, by ourselves, we're like a guy on a mountain road careening all around the road about to fall off the edge, right? And yet when we got friends in our life who are faithful enough and honest enough and love us enough to speak truth into our life, then it kind of steers us on the straight path. Real friends protect us from ourselves. And so as we think about this this morning, it's good to have friends who will do that for you, but it's also good for you to be the type of friend that will be that to other people. This is what the Bible calls us into this morning. Someone who's going to set us straight and cut through our nonsense. And if we're honest this morning, we're prideful creatures, right? Is anyone not a prideful creature in here this morning? Don't raise your hand. We're prideful creatures. So imagine a stranger coming up to you trying to give you advice. I'd be like, who are you and why are you talking to me, right? Get get out of my way. We don't accept advice from strangers, right? But instead, when we have a friend, someone who's been walking with us for a while, get in our face and say, man, what are you doing? You're being stupid. Like those are the moments, those are the things that we actually listen to in life. And it is such a blessing to have those people in our lives. At least in my own life, when John Wethington tells me that I need to do something or not do something, I listen to that. I listen to that. And I have other people in my life who will do that. So my question for you this morning, very practically, is do you have people in your life who will do that for you? who aren't just around to share in your common interest and who aren't just around to sort of puff you up, but people in your life who will get in your face and try to lead you the right direction, who want your ultimate good. And are you the type of person who will do this for other people? This is what Timothy Keller says. I thought this was pretty interesting. He says, if you love someone too much to tell the truth, then what you're really saying to them is that you love yourself too much because you don't want to experience the bad thing that's going to happen whenever you tell them the truth, right? None of us likes that awkward moment of telling someone that they need to desist and go to a different way, right? And what Timothy Keller says is that if that's us, then it shows that we truly are loving ourselves more than loving them. And so the Bible calls us this morning to, to wound our friend. I love that language. The Bible says, wound your friend. A kind of wound that is ultimately for their good. From a biblical perspective, Christian friendship has a flavor of being brothers in arms. Fellow soldiers in this life who are helped keeping each other afloat and standing and moving forward to the goal, which is Jesus Christ. That's what true friendship in life is about. And if we'll look at our last verse this morning, Proverbs 27, verse 17... Uh, We all know this one really, really well. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The reason that it's so important to have friends like this is that it's for our good. It takes a lot to be a friend. And it takes a lot to find the kind of friend who's going to be someone who will speak truth into your life. And God knows that. And so I think God, what he's done is he's provided a channel for us to find those type of people. The people who are going to be true and honest and brutally honest with us. And so my last point this morning is that you'll always have a friend if you always have 
a church. That true friends are usually born out of a shared relationship with Jesus Christ. The problem, and this is interesting as we think about as iron sharpens iron. So the Bible says a true friend, the true value of friendship is that it causes us to grow in each other, right? We clash with each other in a really good way. And the problem is if friends form around common interests in the world, then you typically meet people who are just like yourself, yes or no? You meet people who are like yourself in the world, and yet in the church, God gathers people from all different kinds of walks of life. He gathers rich people and poor people and people from different races and different backgrounds, people who are A-types and people who aren't, people who are introverts and people who are not, people who are business-minded and people who are creative. And what God does is he calls all those people together into one body. And so I kind of get excited when I think about people in this room who share no interest with me at all in life, except the fact that they love Jesus Christ. There is so much potential in that kind of relationship. When someone from this side of the room starts meeting with someone on this side of the room who have really nothing in common except that they love Jesus, sparks can fly and good things can happen out of that. This is the biblical means of grace that God has given us to grow in this life. When it says iron sharpens iron, what it means is that we are supposed to constructively clash with one another. And that's why the Bible gives us, that's why God gives us the church. So out of all the different spheres of your life, be it work or family or dad's club or the bar or whatever it is, the church is probably the greatest opportunity for you to find friends in this life. I know that's probably been the case for me as I think about my own experience in church. Because behind all of this is Jesus gathering us together. Like I've said before, he's like a master of ceremonies. In essence, God is saying, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. That God has brought the very people in this room together for a purpose. That we might stir one another up in this life for Jesus. That we might help each other in this life when we're down and carry each other if we have to for a season. This is the kind of friendship that God is calling White Oak Baptist Church to live out. Very quickly, um, we're about to draw to a close. Before we do that, I want to do sort of a mental image with you. I want you to try to close your eyes if you want to. Uh, No, it's weird. It's okay. So just close your eyes. Now, I want you to picture you're in the middle of a park. Let's say like Yosemite National Park or something like that. It's just a state park. And you're sitting there, right? And you're sort of, it's at night, and you're looking out up at the stars, and they're just crystal clear in a way that you can never see them in Houston. And you're sitting by the campfire, and you're just sitting there, and it's perfect temperature. I would imagine that in those moments are the moments where you appreciate nature the most. Where you appreciate God's goodness in the world, and where you think, man, I wish I could never leave this spot. All right, I'm going to pull you out of that scene. I'm going to put you in another scene. Imagine right now you're at the top of a parking garage in Houston, Texas. And it's at night, and you can keep your eyes closed. Okay, so you're on top of the parking garage, and you're looking out over the city. And in the distance, you see downtown Houston, and you see the skyline, right? And you see all the buildings, Chase Tower. And then behind that, you see the medical center, which has, like, all the cranes around these days, right? All the construction. 
And then you look over to your left and you see the Galleria and you see Williams Tower. We used to call it Transco, now it's Williams Tower, right? And it's at night and you can't really see the stars, but you see the lights of the city. And I can imagine at that moment, you really appreciate the city. And in the same way, you can open your eyes now, it's okay. In the same way, I feel like being close in Christian connections causes you to really appreciate the beauty of God in life. And so God calls us to be very, very close with other people who share our faith so that we can grow in it. So that we can stir one another in our affections in this life. So as we draw to a close this morning, White Oak, I want to give you probably the most explosive aspect of being a friend in life or a friendship in life. The most explosive part of friendship and the reason that God designed it in his infinite wisdom is this. In the gospel, God doesn't just save you, he befriends you. In the gospel, God doesn't just save you, he befriends you. And that's why at this church, we are never going to boil down the Christian life into a series of do's and don'ts. Because the whole point of Jesus Christ entering into the world is that we might have a connection and a relationship with God. God is your friend. And I'm not talking about, you know, God's your homie, he's your, your homeboy. You know, I'm, not, I'm like, God is literally your friend. Jesus said, no greater love has man than this that he might lay down his life for his friends. And again, he says in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. White Oak. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's true. But there is a God who sticks closer than a friend. And that's what I want you to realize this morning is that God is the perfect friend. Amen? Think about the best friendship that you have in life. They're probably someone who's very committed to you. Probably someone who will speak truth into your life. Probably someone who cares about you and wants your best. And now think about infinite God who's 100% committed to you and 100% wants your good and 100% speaks truth into your life and gives you the power to live in this life. If you want to get practical this morning, then building and fostering your relationship with that friend is what God is calling you into this morning. This is where true friendship is born when we understand and recognize that God is our friend, that we've been forgiven much, And in the same way that we can be friends to other people and forgive them much. At this time, I'd ask you to bow your heads and just spend a moment in reflection before I pray for us. That first and foremost, God has called us his friend. And as a result of that, we can be the kinds of friends that people need in this life. Dear Heavenly Father, we understand the purpose of friendship. That yes, it's fun to have shared experiences and to go to the movies and, and those things are good. 
But Father, we recognize this morning that friends are comrades in arms. That they protect us from the wounds of the enemy when he seeks to lure us away from your goodness. That they are not afraid to speak truth to us and to wound us when it's for our good. This morning, Father, I pray that every person in this room would seek out these kinds of friendships. That you would draw in connections even deeper in this room, Lord. Of people maybe sitting on opposite sides of the room. That they may come to each other, Lord, knowing that they have nothing in common except you. I pray that you would foster those relationships in this room this morning. I pray, Father, ultimately that you would keep us um, as being the kind of friends that you want us to be toward other people. That we would follow the model of Jesus. That we'd be willing to lay down our lives for our friends. I love these people, Lord, and I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would remind them of gospel truth and of gospel hope this morning. That they are fully forgiven and fully loved in you. And that you call them friend now and forevermore. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.